Welcome to The Mortgage Life, a space for down-to-earth conversations about how mortgages contribute to your life. Well, that sounds canned and maybe a little boring. What? There are so many parts to the mortgage industry and real estate finance we can explore and share with our listeners. Okay, you're right. You're right, Mindy. Our goal is to help secure our clients' financial future. I'm Pete Salamosi. I'm Mindy Bodwin. And I'm Sue Salamosi. We're your hosts. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. Hello, and welcome back to The Mortgage Life Podcast. Our topic today is insurance. Insurance. That sounds easy. Yes. And, you know, (laughs) maybe not the most exciting topic, but it's so important. And there's so many different uh, types of insurance. Tell us about the types. So in the mortgage process, there's four different types of insurance. You've got mortgage default insurance, enter CMHC or SAGEN or Canada Guarantee. You've got house and fire insurance. You have life and disability insurance, and you have title insurance, all very different. And the purpose of today's episode is to go through these and shed some light on how to get them, what they cost, what they mean. Our focus today is on home and fire insurance. And we've actually got a special guest in today, and that is Nicola Dent from Capri CMW. Hello. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. So Nicola, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Capri. Uh, So I have been in the insurance industry for 15 years now, amazingly enough. Uh, I have been at Capri for three years. I'm currently the team lead, so manager of the Polson location. I specialize in home insurance uh, and auto on the side. And I currently hold two insurance designations, so a Canadian accredited insurance broker and a chartered insurance professional. So I've been doing it a little while. <laughs> Perfect. So when a client comes to you for house and fire insurance, where, where do you start? I usually start with, are they going to be owning it? Are they going to be renting it? Kind of what's the, what is their purpose? What are they going to be doing with it? Um, and then I have two different avenues that you go down. So I get them to fill out a questionnaire, get their personal information, And then we start talking about um, what they're looking for in an insurance policy. Because that's the main thing is I want to know what a client is actually wanting out of the policy. Do they just want coverage for fire? Are they looking just mainly for liability because their landlords told them to? Do they want water coverage? So it's really personalized and specialized to what they need. It's interesting that you brought up the first question that you brought up is rent versus buy. On our previous episode... We talked about renting versus buying from a mortgage broker perspective. So what does it look like from insurance perspective? Um, We're going to cover a lot of the same things. It's just different if you own it versus you rent it. So if you own it, we're going to be covering the value of the home. Um, We need to know kind of what your contents are, uh, what kind of coverage you you need for water. Um, What are you going to use the home for? Are you going to have a home-based business? Are you going to have rentals? Do you have any extra liability exposures? And then from a renter's perspective, you're as the renter, you're just looking for coverage for your contents in the unit and liability. So if someone were to injure themselves, if they visited you. Super. So it sounds like the rental insurance is maybe a little bit simpler because it's not having to cover the cost of potentially rebuilding or repairing. Um, and maybe the cost of homeowner insurance is a little bit more. Is that right? It, it kind of, um, it can be a little bit of both. 
So sometimes a renter's policy can actually be a little bit more expensive than a homeowner's because renters tend to be more transient. So they move more often. So there tends to be a bit more risk. And a lot of renters are in apartment buildings. So it's condensed. So there's more potential for claims. So sometimes we do see a renter's policy being a little bit more expensive for a tenant. Um, that being said, though, a home policy, obviously, you're covering a, a lot more. So those premiums can climb. It just depends on the different factors of the client. Interesting. I never realized that. Um, and just one quick point that I wanted to bring up, um, coming back to the mortgage process, uh, you do need to obtain your home insurance, fire insurance policy prior to taking possession of the house. Um, as mortgage brokers, we don't need to see that policy, but your lawyer will ask for that um, and to be able to show the lender that you do have insurance when you take possession. And the term that I hear most often is an insurance binder. And in my mind, I think, okay, well, like a binder like we had in high school with the rings and the three-hole punch. Like the what binder that Pete put together this yeah. morning for your trip? Yeah, <laughs> a travel binder. Uh, Nicola, what is an insurance binder? So an uh, insurance binder is a request from the lawyer or notary asking for confirmation that the client has insurance. Um, on a binder, they'll ask for... Um, like the replacement cost of the home, is it guaranteed, um, what kind of deductibles they have, what kind of liability. Certain places will require that you add earthquake coverage to your policy. So it's basically a security that they know that their loan will be paid back if something happens. Uh, what we see a lot of the time is clients will at the last minute rush in and be like, I need this for tomorrow. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work that well because <laughs> we do need a little bit of lead time. A lot of the time we need to go over questions and we need stuff filled out or photos. So we need like a minimum week to two weeks. Um, as it gets into busy season, it's hard. Yeah, to that's good to know. A week to two weeks to obtain insurance. I mean, when you're up against a subject removal, um, yeah, that, that time is, is very important. And, and what about the first loss payee? This is the term that I use all the time because, well, that's that's where the lender falls, right? Yep. That just means, what does that mean? So that's the first person who's going to be paid out in the event of a loss. Um, so some people will come in and they'll have a second loss payee. So they've added a second mortgage because they're buying another house or they're financing renovations or they've added um, a registered line of credit. Some people don't realize that a registered line of credit using your house as collateral actually counts as a second mortgage Ooh, on your house and should be point. added to your home insurance because they want to be recognized in case mm -hmm. something happens. We're doing a lot of lines of credit, HELOCs, home equity lines of credit mm -hmm. right now. So that's a great point mm -hmm. that right. it needs yeah. to be included. And so you're saying that the first loss payee typically would be the mortgage lender. So the, the one that's in the first position. Mm -hmm. And then if there is something in second position, for instance, like you said, a HELOC that may be from a different lender, that should be also noted as the second loss payee. Yeah. And a lot of the time when you're adding a second loss payee, you actually have to get permission from the insurance underwriter to add it. So they want to know how much each mortgage is for, what the terms for each mortgage are for, what you plan to do with it, um, and then um, get permission to add it on. And it can sometimes actually cost you as the homeowner a bit of extra premium. Wow. So in the event of a, a destruction of the property, so a fire, so the first person to get the insurance proceeds is, you know, mortgage number one, lender number one. The next would be if you had a HELOC registered from another lender or a secondary mortgage. Um, and then the third, I guess, if there was nothing else registered would be the homeowner. So they actually aren't the first to get paid out in the event of a loss. Which brings me to replacement value. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the replacement value must 
be very important then yet if you have to sort of pay out all these other entities. Yeah. So there's three different kinds of um, values for home. You have guaranteed replacement cost, which means we're going to insure it to whatever value our evaluator has done. And then if there is a loss and it costs more, the insurance company guarantees that they'll pay up to that amount. There's just replacement cost. So you're only going to get paid out what is listed on your policy. And then there's like actual cash value. We're only going to give you the depreciated value of what the property is. Sometimes that's more like a seasonal or a mobile home um, just because they're not as complex. But we do use evaluators. Um, so there's like applied ITVs or um, powerhouse. And basically we go in and put all the details of the home in. So that can be ceiling height, floor types, uh, how many bathrooms you have. Is it architecturally designed? Do you have more windows? So there's a lot of complicated things in there. So that's why we sometimes need more lead time because we need you to find out these details so we can give you the insurance. And then that calculates the value of it. We talk about it with the client. Are they comfortable with that value? Do we need to increase it a little bit? Um, and then we that's what we start the insurance for. You mentioned the word ITV in there. What does that stand for? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a, it's Some a, sort of evaluation. Yeah, it's a, it's an interior program. Um, it's actually a more simple program. Basically, all it asks is like how many stories, how many bathrooms, kitchens, is there a basement, gotcha. a carport, and that's it. Gotcha. So it's kind of like using a calculation based on some data that has been input into this evaluator. I, I would liken that to what our lenders use as an internal valuation right. model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and it's, you can always adjust it. Like we have, I like to use the powerhouse cause it's more detailed. You can get more things in there so you can put in custom details if you need to, but you can always um, adjust it if you need to. Right now we're in a very hard insurance market. Um, and we've seen the cost of lumber and cost of, um, labor go up so much that we're needing to adjust for those things. The one thing that we will find is that people will come in with their property assessments and they're like, I'm so underinsured. And a property assessment is just the value of what it could be sold for. And if you have other houses around that have been sold, that increases it. So it's not necessarily what your replacement cost on your home should be. Right. Because the assessment would include, well, I guess, land and building, mm -hmm. unless they're just specifically looking at the building value. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And we've talked in the past about uh, the BC assessment and how that is calculated. So you can go back and listen to that. But it is important that there's a differentiation between that valuation, which, like you say, is based on a sold value or a potential sold value, and the replacement costs. Because replacement costs, like you say, in the last year, we've seen lumber values go up quite a bit. So yeah, that might be a good thing for people to check, yeah? Yeah. Oh, 100%. And um, Capri, uh, we do evaluators every three years. So we're going to check into the file, re update it. And if we need to increase the value, we'll increase the value. We also ask our clients, like, if you're going to do a renovation, if you're going to add something, please let us know before you do it so we can adjust that evaluator so you're covered while you're actually doing it. Or we've got permission from the underwriters for those renos. So those are the kind of things that sometimes that get missed. Interesting. So I also had a question about one other thing, which is, Property location. So I know we're based here in the Okanagan, but I assume that there's certain things that we would look to insure in the Okanagan that maybe people may not insure for at the Lower Mainland or on Vancouver Island. So is that something that a person should look at their policy and say, well, where am I located and what are the things that are most likely to affect me? Oh, 100%. So like, are, are you talking like if earthquake? Or, right, yeah. Yeah, so earthquake on the lower mainland, you probably want to add earthquake coverage for your contents or your house. 
um, up in the Okanagan, we actually do have an act or an unactive fault line that does run down the valley. So there is always the potential for earthquakes. There have been a bunch of earth, small earthquakes in Penticton, Lumbee, even Salmon Arm. Hmm. So there is the potential for earthquake here. So more people are adding it, but it's just kind of a personal choice at this point. But it, when you're living in the lower mainland, a lot more people are adding it on. Same thing when we had like the Abbotsford floods. A lot of people there didn't have flood coverage because their postal code was restricted. They couldn't add on that coverage because they are lower than sea level. That's really interesting. Hmm. Wow. Or it's really expensive. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of times, I guess, maybe clients would just go after what the lender requires, right? Like lenders require for properties up here, fire insurance. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, there's always that window of time where it's really tough to get fire insurance. 100%. Um, what does that look like? You brought up the Abbotsford floods um, and all the fires last year. What does that look like in that, uh, the long-term planning of insurance? Um, so basically, we ha- when you have your insurance, um, so the insurance companies have reinsurance for themselves and then they have reinsurance above them. So, <laughs> so how many layers? <laughs> yeah. So when you have natural disasters or catastrophes, you're going to see it kind of spread out amongst everyone. So the losses of the few are covered by the many. So the more losses you have, um, the, so you have a big earthquake, um, you're going to cover that, but then the reinsurance is going to get more expensive and then the reinsurance is going to get more expensive. So everyone starts to charge more and more as you go down. So when you get to me selling you a policy, all of a sudden it's jumped maybe 20% because we've had these losses and it is spread out everywhere. So is that what it's going to look like this year coming into our fire season? I'm not looking for predictions on pricing. <laughs> I just, uh... um, it, we don't know. We don't know what it's going to look like because at this point they haven't necessarily settled all the claims of what the cost of everything is going to be. It's still something ongoing. That fire is still smoldering. Um, the White Lake fire is still smoldering. So there's a potential for it to always flare up. Um, so it's we don't know what it's going to look like. We are in a hard insurance market currently right now. So that rec- that means that prices are high and underwriting is incredibly difficult. It is hard to get certain things done. So things that you used to be able to just be like, yeah, I can insure it. Now you're like, okay, so I'm going to need to go to a specialty market and now it's going to cost you X amount. Yeah. Do you want it? No. Yes. And that's the problem is some people we will quote and they'll take off stuff because they don't want to pay the premiums. And then all of a sudden they'll have a loss and now they don't have coverage because they were trying to save on premium. So it's kind of one of those, do you want to be fully covered or not? So when I start an insurance question, it's like, what are you looking for? And then I'm going to quote you everything you could possibly have. And then we can look at each item and go through it. But water and fire, main, main losses we see. Yeah, I remember um, there was in in Alberta, there was the flooding in Calgary and the fires in in northern Alberta, and that affected my insurance rates, uh, my house insurance rates here. So I get it now with the reinsurance and the reinsurance and all the layers. It's um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens this summer. Yeah. Nicola, you talked a bit about um, the variety of different things that you um, insure and, and offer to your clients. Um, with a lot more people being priced out of detached homes and going into stratified properties, whether they be duplexes, fourplexes, townhomes, or condos, I know that one of the things that we've seen in condos a lot is the deductibles of the condo, so of the strata corp, are actually going really high, perhaps because of flooding and, and a lot of other issues. 
is that something that's also discussed? And is that something that a person can put on their personal policy to cover a kind of a gap on that deductible? Um, yeah. So with most um, strata policies, so, and I'm talking personal, so it's not the master policies for buildings. Um, most companies have um, a base limit of coverage for strata deductibles. So it can be anywhere from 25000 to to 100000 depending on your company. So when we sit down with a client, we ask them, what's the highest strata deductible that you can be assessed? A lot of people will come and be like, oh, my strata fee is this. It's like, no, no, <laughs> it's the deductible. So if your unit causes damage to another unit, what can they assess you for it? And they, on that policy, they can all be different limits. So you can have like 5,000 for a sprinkler or you can have 25,000 for a flood. Like there's a lot of different strata deductibles within it. We're looking for what the main highest one that you can be assessed because we don't want you to have a gap in insurance. Um, so we usually ask people to provide a copy of their strata insurance so we can make sure we're covering them correctly. A lot of companies or most companies don't insure anything over $100,000. So then we need to go to a specialty market to buy a top-up policy for strata deductible. So you buy, you have your base policy, then you pay another X amount of dollars to buy an extra 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, depending what you need to cover that gap. So you're not personally responsible for it. I love that you guys actually go through the strata documents because we always encourage every one of the home purchasers to make sure that they read through this stuff, but there's a lot there. And knowing that there's a potential $100,000 deductible that that homeowner could be responsible for, and knowing that you could have insurance to cover that is super important. So if, you, if you're looking at a strata uh, purchase, then make sure you read through those documents. Review and, the insurance documents. Yeah. 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 We, I do own a, a condo and the insurance, the commercial insurance or strata insurance policy is, is like six or seven pages long. And that's just sort of the, the dumbed down version. Um, but it does, like Pete said, it outlines all these deductible limits that uh, before owning a strata or a condo, I had no idea um, and then, you know, you've got your sort of strata policy that you're responsible for. You pay for that through the condo fees. Um, and then you have your homeowner's policy as well, right? For everything in between your walls. And then we rent ours out. So then our renter also needs to have their renter's policy. So you've got three layers of insurance just for one, you know, one small you know, 1,000 square foot condo. Yeah. And a big thing is like when the realtor puts in that it's um, one of their conditions is subject to insurance. That's a really good indicator that you should go find out beforehand because we've had people come in and they get a quote and then we say, oh, well, you're going to need this extra policy and we quote it and they're like, well, now I can't, I can't budget. I can't afford that. So now they know at least where they are at. So they take the risk of, okay, I'm not going to do it or I'm going to be on the hook for potentially paying out this gap of insurance. So that's a, that's a huge thing to look over your documents carefully. Another, yeah, absolutely good point on that. And another reason that you'd want to have that really trusted team around you, including your insurance advisor. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I mean, on a daily basis, everyone, they call you, they want to know something, right? We, our job is to be in it daily, reading through everything, going through everything. You as the um, one, once a year you look at it, right? So you're not going to be the expert. We're going to be that expert for you. So you want to come to us with the questions. Nothing's too silly or small. We, we want to answer that and help you. Nicola is the person that I go to, uh, my, my trusted, <laughs> my trusted advisor for a lot of these things. Um, because a lot of what you've shared is it's over my head even, right? Like I, I don't work in this. And so thank you very much for, for sharing your knowledge with us. Um, 
Is there anything else in that house and fire insurance um, realm, condo insurance that you think we've missed or that we should touch on? Um, I think what people forget is like we're coming into fire season right now. So if you're looking to get a house or something, you want to make sure that you have some sort of clause that if there's you can't get insurance, you can extend your contract or you come to us with enough details. Like when we ask you for all the details, um, we want we, if you can get it to us right away, there's a better chance that we can get something. We look at the fire map daily um, and our companies, if there's a fire within 50 kilometers of you, a lot of the time we can't write insurance. So there are gaps where it'll go out and we can all of a sudden get it. So if we have everything in front of us, we can do something for you. So trying not to leave things to the last minute. Most companies we can write with minimum 30 days ahead of time. So even if we write the insurance, you pay for it, you sign, if the d deal collapses or something, we can cancel it and refund you the money, but at least we can get something on the books for you. If you come in the day you need it, we, we probably can't do something. We always try, like we'll try our best to get you insurance, get you a quote within a minimum of like 24 hours if we can. But there are just some times that we just, we can't do it. And if we've been like last summer, we would have like 20 quotes a day requested. Wow. And there was so many clients who couldn't get house insurance. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. We did our best. And I think Intact is the last, last company standing last summer. And we were able to like write with them and get a few things in until like we stayed late. We were there till like seven or eight at night and just be like, okay, let's get them all risked. And then it was like a month of not writing anything. So it's kind of crazy how it works, but just being prepared and asking questions. That was some really fantastic information. And it sounds like being proactive, being prepared, getting stuff done early, using your trusted team, that's that's the right way to go. Yeah, 100%. That's what we're there for and we want we want we want the business, we want to help you and we love to meet our clients and make connections and then have them refer people and <laughs> like I refer people to Sue and I know Sue's referred people to me and it's just it's nice to have those connections in the community. Yeah. It's about having a great network and, and trusting the people that are surrounding you. Um, at the beginning of this episode, we talked about three other types of insurance. So make sure you come back and listen to the Mortgage Life podcast. We will be addressing default insurance, title insurance, and, and life and disability. Life and disability insurance on future episodes. Thanks so much, Nicola. Thank you guys. Thank for you. Me. That was great. Thanks. This is The Mortgage Life. We look forward to continuing the conversation. So come back and listen. 